Hello, and welcome to another episode of Life Story. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Honig. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on this journey with me. What Life Story is, is it's really my excuse to get to talk with old friends and mentors about the highs and the lows and the hard times and the great things that happen within their life and has made them into the person that they are today. If you're returning to my podcast, thank you so much for your continued support. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. This person I've been trying to get on my podcast for a couple months now, but just life in general has made it that I've either had to cancel, they've either had to cancel, but you know what? We finally found a time that we could lock in. We are here. We are excited to chat, and I hope you are so, so, so going to enjoy this person because they are one of my favorite people. Today, I have Katie Erickson. Katie is a proud University of Utah and Ball State alum. She currently lives in Lubbock, Texas and loves outdoors, college football, and being an extrovert introvert as much as she possibly can. So with that, here is the life story of Katie Erickson. Tell me your story, your life story. Hi, Katie. How are you doing today? I am so excited to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so happy we finally have found time to get to do this podcast episode. I know. We really were ambitious to think we could record this in August, both working in higher education. But, you know, yep. it's October 1st. We're doing great. Exactly. I mean, I ended up just taking a whole hiatus the month of August. It just became easier to do that. and know I was going to come bigger and stronger in September. Yep, that's really the only way to get through higher ed some years. Yes. So, Katie, um, I kind of gave a little intro for you in the beginning, but I have to tell my listeners, you were my one of my absolute favorite people to meet at Tech. You were everybody's mama bear, at least to my cohort and to my group of friends. And my two favorite memories, whether they were both your favorite memories or not, are oh when you hooded us, at least me, Caitlin, and Alex at the end of the year because we were graduating in 2020 when they canceled graduation, basically weren't going to do anything big. And we were like, no, we bought our gowns. We've worked so hard. We want this. And you were willing to come onto campus and hood us. And that just meant the world, at least to me and to my family. Oh my gosh. That is probably one of like my favorite memories from like 10 years in my job. And just <laughs> as a person, like that was such a tough time for us is just a community and it was I think we did the surprise like drive-by that was great that too afternoon. yeah and that was so fun and then knowing like, okay we're gonna come back and do the hooding because that's so special and then when y'all asked me I was like oh my gosh mm -hmm. I'm so honored it was such a fun thing to be a part of so and I that thing always that thing came around so quickly, too, because we were originally going to do it outside, and then there was a yeah. mini haboob, or like a giant sandstorm that oh happened gosh, 15 right. minutes beforehand. Oh my gosh, that's right, because I remember driving home to pick Tim up to come back to campus, and I just saw that cloud, and I was like, well, we're not doing this out. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, good old Wall Gates had that cute little stage, so we were able just to improvise and pivot like we do, and... That was so much fun. And your mm -hmm. sweet parents were there, and it was just the greatest time. So much fun. Well, it was very meaningful to me, and I love getting to go back and look at that photo and be like, yes, I did graduate still. 
And it gave me an excuse to wear my hood and gown, which yes. I honestly don't think I had since I graduated, which was many years before. So <laughs> I did have a moment of panic when y'all asked me because I was like, I don't. I don't know if I have it or no, I don't wear my hand, but I get, I think someone borrowed it or something. So I was like, I gotta find that. Like this is oof. Mm -hmm. And then my other favorite memory is from my first year of grad school, we were doing something for earth day where we planted a bunch of flowers oh, yeah. and stuff. And I don't remember what I said to my co-grad Brandy, but I was giving her a hard time. And you're like, Tyler, are you being a smart ass or something? And you like grab my ear and I'm like, Katie, I, I'm going to like this person. She ain't going to let me do any crap. I don't know what came. I do remember that also very distinctly. And I don't know if it was just the fact I was like around plants and I was just very happy or it was such a fun day on campus. But you became such a smart ass. Well, your smart ass three came out, I should say, um, real quick in like in like a uh, response to Brandy. And mm -hmm. I just it just came out of my mouth and I was like, Well, Tyler, you and I are friends now because yep. we've I just randomly grabbed your ear like a little kid and was like, What did you just say? <laughs> I mean, that whole day, like, Brandy and I had done nothing. And I, I can say this now because oh, I don't yeah. work at Texas Tech anymore. But, like, we just hung out in her office. Justin wasn't oh, working yeah. that day. We went and did plants. They had a bounce house at Wall Gates that day. Like, succulent That's party right. was happening at Chitwood Weymouth and Talkington. We're like, we've done nothing productive today. And it's been the best day at work. <laughs> some days you need those, though. Like, some, especially Friday. Because I think it was, like, Friday in yep. April. Like, it was almost finals week. And I think we all were like, any day that has big events, I feel like it, I'm not productive because nope. I'm like excited for them, like a little kid, like Christmas, and then they happen, and I'm like, oh, I'm tired now. All that yep. adrenaline's wore off. <laughs> so, <laughs> some days, you know, you need those too, just to kind of like, we deal with some really heavy stuff and like some really stressful times, and so... I used to kind of feel like guilty, like, oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. And I was like, yeah, but you know what I have done? Mm -hmm. I've done all of this stuff. So I can go plant some flowers on campus and go see students and go hang out in the sun and just have a good time. Because that's also yes. a benefit of what we do is like being in a little mini city of a college campus. You, oh, darn, I have to get paid to go. Or I get paid to have to go to this event. Like, okay. Uh -huh. Sounds good. <laughs> like today I spent almost $150 worth of like cosmic brownies and Capri Suns for this retro 2000s party my students are going to be throwing. And I'm like, one, the 2000s, how is that retro? And two, how is this okay, my job? I was like slightly offended. So I'm glad you said that because the fact that 2000s is retro, <laughs> I take offense. I take personal. Like literally my residents are going to go thrift shopping for clothing that was like particularly famous in the late 1990s, early 2000s. And I was like, what even was like the fashion then? Oh my gosh. Everything I wore in like junior high and high school, <laughs> these kids weren't born. Nope. We're born like, I told Charisse today, our lovely advice, student business assistant. I said, Charisse, once these students were born the year I graduated high school, 2006, I'm done. I was like, I can't, I can't handle it. They're getting close. So I said, I don't know. The fact that all these trends are coming back, mm -hmm. like butterfly clips and jelly shoes and these fashions I see students wear. I'm like, none at first, none of them had an awkward phase. No. So like. None of them looked weird as a child because they're all so stylish. <laughs> and now it's like an insult that my awkward phase is like cool now. Uh-huh. 
Well, we're now back in the roaring 20s, whether we like it or not. Gosh, I don't know. They've been weird. Yeah. <laughs> they started out weird. They've just continued. But yeah, I mean, our job, when you go and buy, like, boxes and boxes of little Debbie, like, cosmic brownies and stuff, mm-hmm. you're, like, getting paid and spending other people's money. Uh-huh. The <laughs> <laughs> weird, weird mix, weird life we live. Oh, yeah. Our resumes, the ways they much look and what exactly are on them. <laughs> Oh man, I tell you, when I moved from residence life coordinator to academic advisor, and some of the stories I would tell, they were like, what? Like, uh-huh. same institution, still working with students, totally different world. Mm-hmm. It was like, wait, you responded to what on call? They're like our war-torn stories. <laughs> yeah, and there was like, you should write a book! And I'm like, I don't want to have to relive that again. No. Because I, I don't know if you do this, I know that we've dealt with some wild situations but i'll like forget about them mm-hmm. after a while and then i'll be like oh yeah remember that one time we dealt with that student that threw chicken at a cop and was yelling tase me bro and people are like what and i'm like oh that that's right that's not like a normal thing no to <laughs> <laughs> okay oh cool. gosh and there's so many things you'd have to redact if you wrote a book too it's like can't say this person's name or can't actually say what school this happened at I know. Oh my gosh. I would love it if we could tell our stories, but like, I don't know. That sounds exhausting. Mm -hmm. I might have an episode though, where it's like, how has higher ed affected like professionals and stuff? And like, how has it grown and have a couple of my friends that have retired, some of them that have been in the business for a couple of years that are directors, mid-level and then people just starting. And I think five or six people would be a really fun just panel. Oh, it would be fascinating, even just because I've been in higher ed now for 10 years, Mm -hmm. and when I realized that, that hit kind of hard. I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh. But also just thinking of just even the last few years, how Mm -hmm. many people have left the field, and just how, like, maybe I'm just more aware of, like, the burnout and exhaustion, too, and, like, myself, like, okay, I'm mid-level, and, you know, in higher ed, there's so many entry-level, and then positions, then it just really goes up, and it's like, okay, so where do we go from here? Where do Mm -hmm. we do with all the experience we have? But if we leave the field, how do we talk about it? How do we talk about our like transferable skills? Sure, but. Which we have so many. It's just in our realm, it's student related where in other places it's not. Oh yeah. And it's like, like back to the on-call stuff. Like I was on call a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about everything I dealt with in like 36 hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, any job that is like fast paced, mm-hmm. yep, I could do that. Any job that's like able to like switch gears quickly and all yep. that, yep, I could do that. But my examples are so out there. Sometimes people are like, that didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. No. I had one job that I did not think I was qualified for that I applied to last February. And I got through like the first interview round. I'm like, well, it's probably because I hit so many of their boxes and stuff. They had to interview so many of us. And they got a call for a second round. I'm like, how did I get like, this is nothing anywhere what I've done and stuff. And when the people were like, well, we really enjoyed your stories and what you've done. Like, we think that you could bring a lot of it. And then the second interview came and they were a lot more specific and they really found, oh no, this person does not have the qualities and the things that we're looking for. And I'm like, yes, I I told you that, but I I appreciated I got to a final round. (laughs) Yeah, that in itself, you're like, hey, at least you saw that I had these skills in a different way. Exactly. Wasn't maybe what you're looking for, but now you're probably like, dang, 
did a lot yeah. of shit. One person was <laughs> like, you should be a paramedic. And I'm like, I don't think so. But I guess I've done a lot of the same things in different ways. That's an interesting, I've never really heard of our, like people in our field going to that role, but I feel like that would make sense. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. So we've talked a lot about like how you and I met and what we kind of do for a living, but let's kind of start to go back in time a bit and talk about Katie as a young kid growing up in Utah. Um, so talk about like what life was like for you growing up and some of your really happy memories. Sure. So I was born and raised in Salt Lake City. Um, no, I am not Mormon. That's usually the next thing people ask me. Um, so I just, no. Do you I like the Book of Mormon, Mormon though? I love the Book of Mormon. There we I go. Cried. I cried when I watched it because <laughs> I finally, I'd listened to the soundtrack so many times and I understood what they were referring to. But when I saw it, people were like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, no, that's real. They're not lying. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Salt Lake. My, I just have a younger sister, so she's five years younger than me. So I was an only child for a few years and mm -hmm. then got a younger sister. So I was kind of a brat when she was born. <laughs> like, I did not like her. My mom called from the hospital and was like, guess what? Your sister was born. And I heard her crying. I was like, what is that noise? And she's like, that's your sister. And I said, make it stop. You're like, I think she's defective. Take her back. Yeah, I was like, ooh. And then I would like hide her in the closet. Like if I didn't. <laughs> Because my mom would be like, Katie, where is Rachel? And I'd be like, I don't know. She must be in the closet. Like, once I was a bat, okay, this is too much. But once I was a mat bat for Halloween, mm -hmm. and it was 10 days after my sister was born, and my mom came into the room, and I had my sister by the feet upside down. And <laughs> my mom was like, what the fuck are you doing? Just, I was like, Rachel wanted to be a bat, too. She needed to be upside down. And my mom was like, put Rachel down. So... Needless to say, we became friends <laughs> later on in life, and she's definitely, like, one of my best friends. But, yeah, I grew up in Salt Lake. It was an interesting world growing mm -hmm. up, non-Mormon in a Mormon world. Um, but I was super spoiled because we were right on the bench of the mountains. And so, you know, we always were hiking or at the park or skiing. Mm -hmm. I learned to ski when I was very, very young, so always up on the hill or hiking or going to Girl Scout camp. So I don't know. I had a pretty fucking awesome childhood. I was very lucky. Like we were very fortunate to be able to do the things we did. Um, my parents worked very hard to give us the experiences mm -hmm. that we had. Um, so I don't know. It was just, it's such a cool thing to look at the time. I didn't realize how lucky we were to yeah. be so close to the mountains. Um, so looking back, I'm like, damn, we were, we were really right there. We got to do so much, explore so much. Unlike Texas, you can drive eight hours and be in like two states over. So mm -hmm. it's, it was nice. It was awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I can't even imagine how all the scenery mm -hmm. must have looked and just kind of growing up in that mountainy area, especially with me coming from Iowa. We have a lot more of plains and Texas is a lot more of open yeah. plains. Yeah, when I first moved, when I moved to Indiana for grad school, I was like, what the fuck? Like, oh, I'm sure. I, couldn't, I didn't know directions because I knew how to get places based off which mountain I was looking at. Mm -hmm. And so I knew northeast, southwest, but I was like, there's just corn here. <laughs> and I remember driving through Iowa being like, oh, my God, it's so flat. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
the place I'm currently living in now, their catchphrase is the, the jewel of the prairie. So that, that says anything about Iowa. I, I, you know, from what I know, Iowa, I'm not surprised no. that that is a motto, but that's a choice. I support that. That sounds very magical. Yeah, it is a cute place. <laughs> Something I didn't know about you until uh, very recently was that you only had four cousins. And growing mm -hmm. up for the longest time, I only had four cousins on my dad's side. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Were they like similar age? Yeah, so Brandon is probably about six years older than me. Haley's two years older than me. And then Matt, I want to say Matt's three and Megan is about five years younger than me. Um, but yeah, and it's funny because it was my dad's older brother, him and his younger sister, but it flipped when they had kids. So my dad's little sister had kids. Then dad had me as the middle like cousin. And then my dad's older brother had the last two. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. My, uh, so both of my parents only had one sibling. Okay. And so my cousins are just my mom's side, her brother and his wife, mm -hmm. my aunt, aunt and uncle. So they're all, all four are theirs. And so it was interesting. That's, I always love hearing about smaller families mm -hmm. like that, because especially growing up in Utah, everyone had so many cousins and everyone yes. was family with family, you know? And so, and they'd be like, Oh, my cousin is like, and I was like, well, I have four and my, the youngest one is my age. Okay. So they're all older. And so they were like in college when I was in like middle school. Mm -hmm. And so it was always, I get so excited and people are like, Oh, I only had a couple cousins. <laughs> yeah. My dad's side, we're a very like tight knit bunch and then my mom's side is very much where, like, the great-grandparents were having, like, the great-uncles and the second oh, cousins yeah. and everybody. So they were kids my own age, but, like, not my first first cousins. I actually only have one on my mom's side, and he just turned 11, and I'm 25. So we are very much different ages, but he is the closest thing I have to a little brother. Oh, wow. Are y'all close? Oh, yeah. Him and I are two peas in a pod. That's awesome. Yeah, I could see how that big of an age gap could, like, be bring y'all closer. Mm -hmm. Just in that kind of way. That's so interesting. Yeah, so I, I loved hearing about cousins, especially being an only child. Like, those were my oh, closest yeah. friends, and it sounds like you were very close with those four. Yeah, it was fun. It was kind of cool because they were older, and mm -hmm. so... Um, and, like, on my mom's side, like, my grandpa and uncle are essentially, like, rocket scientists. Like, oh, wow. They, they helped build the boosters for rockets. And then my aunt was a professor. And growing up, you were like, oh, my God. You're like, that's yeah. so cool. Like, um, And then my cousin, Mike, worked, like, for the government and, like, lives in Australia now. My other cousin is an OBGYN and works in Hawaii as one of, like, the few in that area. My other cousin like moved up in Disney like she did the college program and worked there for like 10 years my youngest cousin is like was in the I think the Navy and now is doing like, like Colorado School of Mind like they're just all so smart and my sister and I were very much more of the like liberal arts children mm -hmm. <laughs> and they were all very like STEM focused <laughs> and so it was always so funny and they like all of them played like instruments in the band mm -hmm. meanwhile like we're doing like we were kind of more like the sports and the Girl Scouts and the like kind of more like we're just kind of here hearing yeah. about all of your accomplishments so it was always so fun like growing up because 
it was said they lived they just did so so many different things than we did and so we'd all get together and they'd be like oh i'm playing this instrument or oh i'm doing this experiment and we're like cool like <laughs> we went to the saltwater taffy plant for girl scouts or like we went camping <laughs> it was it's so funny how family can be like so different yeah but like it's so fun to come together and like learn and from each other I mean and that's how it is with everyone but yeah kind of thinking of where everyone came from and how different people could be I love that yeah I'm big into genealogy so I can totally dig that oh, oh. yeah you need to come to Salt Lake then they have like that's like the center of genealogy I didn't know that yeah, because the LDS church has like a ton, LDS or non-LDS, they have a ton of records. Okay. So a lot of those genealogy companies use their records hmm. to kind of like cultivate a lot. That's cool. Did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Have you studied a lot of genealogy like with your own family? Mm -hmm. Using like websites and then my great-grandfather um, had just diaries and stuff that he had kept that kind of got passed down to me because... I was the only one interested, so I've got a chest back at my parents' place I still go through, and there's, like, mapped out things and all this stuff that I'm trying to decipher through. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. That's so, yeah, so it's cool. It's fun, and I've tried to help friends before. It's just harder when, like, I'm trying to learn things, and if they're not as invested, that I don't always know, like, specific names for them that they might have known. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so cool how there's, like, so much access to that. Mm -hmm. um, kind of creepy to think about, too. Like, yeah. where we'll fall, like, years from now, what kind of science will be. I just try not to think about it. But it's cool. We went, my family, once we went to New York for, like, a family vacation, and my great-grandfather came through Ellis Island. Oh, wow. And we, were, we found, his name's Einer Erickson. We found mm -hmm. his, like, signature in the record books there. That is awesome. It was so cool. It was so cool to see. I think the most interesting family thing I've found is on my dad's side, a bunch of us either have the middle name of Francis or we have the middle name of Lawrence. Well, I found out like my sixth great-grandfather and grandmother um, on my dad's mom's side, the his name was Lawrence Saner and or no Lawrence Johnson and Francis Saner. And so that's where we got Lawrence and Francis other middle names was they kept passing on these grandparents first names as middle names. And y'all didn't really have the context of that. We knew that? like it had been from grandparents, just we didn't know how far or exactly who they were. And so then oh we ended gosh. up finding out. So like, yeah, my dad's older brother, his middle name is Lawrence, his son, Matthew, middle name, Lawrence. My dad is Francis. I'm Francis. My grandmother was Francis. So, like, oh it's just gosh, cool to see so cool. what where it passed down from. That's really cool. And it's cool that it kind of continued without as much contact. Yeah. Like, it was just kind of this family name, and it was, like, from grandparents somewhere in the line. But mm -hmm. that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. So, family, it's it's just interesting. It is. It's so interesting. So, tell me about Girl Scouts a little bit, because it sounds like that yes. was a huge part of your life, at least growing yeah. up. It was, yes. I am a proud Girl Scout alum, I guess, of Girl Scout Troop 946 um, of the Salt Lake Girl mm -hmm. Scout Council. So I, oh my gosh, I think my mom just put me in Girl Scouts as something to do. Um, it was with a family. My best friend, like in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, was also named Katie. Mm -hmm. And her mom was our like troop leader. And 
we weren't the average Girl Scout <laughs> troop. Um, so Katie's mom, Cindy, who's like my second mom growing up, she, I can't remember exactly what her, she's an engineer of some type, mm-hmm. I think. And so she was very invested and in not just like, especially growing up in Utah, there's a lot of women should probably stay at home. You mm-hmm. should have families. And she was very much like, that's great. You can, but also we're going to give you all these like opportunities to just meet women or men too, but mostly trying to get women in like science or just professions, performing arts. Um, and so we got to go to like the space camp that okay. is pretty cool. You got to go like anything like gravitate, grab whatever those forces, G forces, um, and do like rockets and like learn science. We got to go to this copper mine that's the biggest in the world mm-hmm. and like give it four. Um, we would go on trips to like mid, like central Utah for like snow goose festival where they all migrate, but it was down in where like um, a Japanese internment camp was okay. during like World War II. And so we got to go to the um, Topaz internment camp and like as a fan, like family trips. And so it was really cool because we got to experience so much outside of just meeting and earning a badge. Um, and then it was kind of a core group of women, girls, women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had some people come and go, but it kind of stayed the same five or six people. And those, some of those women are still like, like my best friend, Allie known for 25 years. We met mm. there. Um, one of my best friends, Katie, like we're still in touch. Like we actually do a monthly zoom where we all chat. We didn't oh. actually chat for a really long time just cause we're all over the country. And then with the pandemic started mm-hmm. talking again. Um, so it was just a really cool experience to have that kind of group of friends, even though we went to different schools. Um, and kind of being the minority of not being Mormon, having that community and mm-hmm. like all of our families were close, all of our siblings were close. Um, so it was just a really cool experience to have. And I think I took another thing I took for granted when I was growing up, cause it was just what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, we like, we sold a lot of Girl Scout cookies, <laughs> but we would use the money to like it was our senior year we went on a cruise to mexico oh wow and like that's what we did and we were like oh we're going on a girl scout trip and i'm like oh where are you going like camping up the mountain and we're like no we're going on a cruise to mexico <laughs> or we like rented an rv one year and drove it to california and stayed on the beach for a few days like we just did so much more than we would have ever done on our own mm-hmm. and so yeah i love girl scouts i think it's such a cool organization but we also had a very fun and unique group Mm -hmm. and like experience and access to experiences that, um, yeah, are just so much fun. And I think that's kind of where like, like student affairs almost got in my blood of just getting to know experiences, getting to know people, learning about people, learning about their profession, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's the best. That's cool. What That's a great opportunity you got to have. And I've talked to a few other people that were in Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, and none of them said that their experience was quite like that. One pe- person I interviewed a few weeks ago was like, I learned how to fry chicken. And that was like the yeah. biggest thing Girl Scouts taught me. I think it's funny too, because my sister is in Girl Scouts and she did not enjoy it okay. as much. Um, and so it's funny because I had such a great experience and I have a friend here in Lubbock who used to work for the Girl Scout work. Mm-hmm. 
And just hearing her stories, I was like, oh my God, that's the opposite of the experience I had. But I think it was almost like we just had the name or excuse of Girl Scouts, mm-hmm. which led us to kind of be like, oh, it's a Girl Scout troops coming to visit this or, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it was kind of just such a unique and the women that led, like all of our moms were really close and they opened so many doors for us. Mm-hmm. And so I think under the umbrella of Girl Scouts is what kind of led us to have those experiences. That's cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah most, not most people, some people I've talked to did not have the same experiences. Mm-hmm. So would you ever be a scout I, leader? You know, that's a great question. <laughs> if my like best friends who have kids asked me, will you be a scout leader for so-and-so? I'd be like, I'd do it for them. I'd do it for my nieces or nephews. But I don't know. I've thought about it before. I'm like, oh, I should volunteer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it is a commitment. It is. It's a huge commitment. And that's why I think looking back, I'm like, wow, we did so much. Like Cindy was an engineer mm-hmm. and she was working for like this huge firm. But every Monday we would meet at her house and then we'd go do these, you know, or we'd take weekend trips to do these like really unique. Like how many people can say they've been to an internment camp and each family got a plot and you got mm-hmm. to kind of like that what a perspective that is, you know, and so. I'm like, damn, they were doing so much for us. And we were just these little shits that were like, oh, we're in Girl Scouts. Like, (laughs) we sell cookies. This is the normal. And now looking back, I'm like, that was not the normal experience. (laughs) But it sounds like that's what really got you started on your advocacy work. And also, like, your volunteering, your love of doing that and helping others. Oh, yeah. We were exposed to so much that, like, yeah, I just think there are so many doors that were open and we got to meet so many different groups of people that I was not exposed to. Like I grew up pretty, you know, middle class mm-hmm. on kind of the east bench of Salt Lake, which is a pretty privileged area. And it really got it like open doors to help younger generations of the Girl Scouts, but also learn from older women. And I think that is a huge part of it, too. So yeah. I think that's been looking back. I'm like, oh, all those seeds were planted to then continue it now. Mm-hmm. Were there any other big organizations or like sports you did going into like high school or middle school? You know, I tried, I loved basketball. Mm-hmm. I played basketball for like 10 years. By, by play basketball, I mean like junior jazz. Like it wasn't <laughs> competitive. Um, I did try out for the basketball team in middle school and they told me I was too short. <laughs> so I think that was their way of telling me that I sucked mm-hmm. you're like i've seen <laughs> space jam i know i can be a contender right. right i was like listen i know the utah jazz player john stockton and jeff hornacek are not tall and they made it to the nba finals multiple years so mm-hmm. don't tell me short people can't play basketball <laughs> just tell me i am five foot two and i am the shortest one who tried out but also just tell me i'm bad that's okay <laughs> so, sometimes no, honesty is the not. best policy I know. I probably wouldn't have taken it well back then, let's be real. But who would have though in middle school? You what? Who would have in middle school? Right, exactly. You think you're like the shit in middle school. So did you play sports? You know, I tried track in middle school, did not care for it. I didn't like the running in a circle thing. Also didn't like getting yelled at. Still didn't necessarily like that. Um I 
thought about cross country, but it was during marching band season. And like, we had spent a lot of money on my trumpet. And so I did marching band. I did choir. Um, I did tennis in middle school. That was a lot of fun. We, I could never say we were a team. We were a club. (laughs) Uh, Tennis is hard. Yeah. It was a fun time, but it's hard. It's, they make it look so easy and graceful. And I've tried it a few times Mm -hmm. and I just look like a giraffe learning how to walk. Like I, (laughs) I just can't function. I'm not coordinated enough to like do all that. Mm -hmm. So good for you. Tennis is tough. Yeah. Like I said that we were not a team. We were a club. Uh, well, you did it. That's <laughs> we we did it. I was able to put it on like my middle school, high school resume. It's like was on the tennis club. <laughs> hey, it's all about that resume. Building. Exactly. Especially <laughs> during that time. Yes. Oh, um, so I know you mentioned that you initially were not going to go to the University of Utah. That was not where you were thinking about. You were thinking you were Arizona bound at Northern Arizona. Talk about what kind of made that switcheroo and what made you end up choosing Utah. Yeah, so when I was looking at schools, I was so ready to get out of Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed something new, or so I thought. Um, and growing up in Salt Lake, University of Utah is like 15, 20-minute drive. You could see it from our house, like yeah. it's up on the mountain. Um, and so I was looking into Concordia in Oregon. I was looking into some schools in Washington. Northern Arizona was like the one who gave me the most scholarships. So oh, like, okay. All right, I'm going to go here. Um, but then I found out they were all out of state scholarships. Mm. So I had to stay a non resident to get them, which, um, <laughs> and my parents were like, go, you know, do what you want to do, but also know that my mom, so my mom's a PT and she worked at the orthopedic center on mm-hmm. campus with the hospital and employees essentially kids you can get half off in-state tuition that's nice (laughs) so they were like we'll support you we've been saving but like there's this thing that you don't have to be an out-of-state resident to get essentially a scholarship that makes you an Mm in-state you know um and so I was like okay well I'm gonna live in the dorms I'm gonna Mm -hmm. not go home I'm gonna like just go for my core classes and then I'm going to transfer. I was, like, convinced I would transfer somewhere. Okay. Um, And so I lived in the halls the first year just because my parents were like, we don't want you at home. Like, you need at least a college experience. Um, And so I got kind of involved with, like, complex counsel and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not kind of. I got really, yeah. <laughs> I got involved. Um, And then I interviewed to be an RA, which... I wasn't the best RA. I'm going to admit that. This is a safe space, you know, mm-hmm. a podcast that anyone can listen to. Um, I was hungover at my interview. So <laughs> that was an adventure. I'm shocked about that. Truly, I am. <laughs> well, yes, we haven't talked about my college days very much for a reason. Um, I, like, still remember the party that we went to the night before because my friend dove into the bushes. And I was like... At that point, I was like, I have an interview. I think we had to be up at, like, 7 a.m. Like, mm-hmm. they started at, like, 7.38. I was like, 2 or 3. I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go home. So, I clearly eventually became an RA. Um, was an RA for a few years. And then, by that time, I had, my housing was covered. My meal plan was covered. Mm-hmm. 
and I'd half in state tuition. And I was like, all right, like I like my major. I was going to do um, nonprofit PR is what I was leaning. Well, first I was going to do physical therapy. Okay. But I get queasy at the talk of blood. And so I was like, that's not the best. Probably thing. better not to go that route then. Yeah, I know. It been real bad. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll do nonprofit PR, like mass comm. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Um. And you can do that anywhere, right? Like, you can yeah. transfer. And so then I became more involved with that. And then I became an orientation leader. And by that time, I was like, I'm staying here. Like, this mm-hmm. is the greatest place. You know, I drank the Kool-Aid and was like, this is the greatest <laughs> place on earth. Um, and then I became involved with student government. And so, you know, I was super lucky. I don't think I went to class as much as I should have for being in college. <laughs> my class, I often say, like, my major was, like, student involvement. Mm-hmm. Um I was that student leader, but, but you know, I was the same way. Like when it came to you? junior, senior year, I was like, all right. I mean, I have this English major, but like, I kind of go to the classes as like the backup stuff. My life is everything else I'm doing. Right. Oh yeah. I was a mass comm and sociology major. Cause mm-hmm. I thought like mass comm, I can use sociology is like just interesting yeah. and kind of easy. Um, and then I'd be like, you know, sociology professors didn't care if we went to class and mm-hmm. I had took, I was but what got me, and I'll never forget this, is my grandpa, because I think I told my grandpa class was canceled, and he was like, oh, isn't that bad? Like, don't you hate when that happens? And I was like, no, grandpa, why would I hate that? And he goes, well, you're technically already paid for it. <laughs> so you've paid for a class that you're not getting. And I was like, oh. Huh. Well, when you put it that way, maybe I should go to class more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know. I just drank the Kool-Aid and I loved it and yep. I stayed. I know. I think it was I was just so reluctant being an 18-year-old going to the school that was in the same town. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I should get out. I need to explore. And now I'm like, why did I ever leave? I need to get back. So, <laughs> yes, I am a proud Utah alum. Mm-hmm. I loved my experience. I had a very unique experience cuz it's a commuter school still mm-hmm. pretty much. So, um but yeah, I met some of my best friends there and we still text every Utah football game. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? And so we're just connect, you know? And so it was a good, good, it ended well. I'm glad it didn't go as planned. Yeah. No, that's cool. I'm happy that you ended up finding your place. And as you were telling your story and I was reading things in the questionnaire, I was like, no, I totally can see why Katie stayed. Like there was no way that she was going to be switching halfway through. I know. I don't know who I thought I was, but... <laughs> but I mean, I think everyone has that same feeling, like the sophomore slump at times yeah. where like, is this where I want to be? Like, is there something better? And then you get like at a sophomore year, like, this is the best place. Like you said, like we drank the Kool-Aid and the yeah. Kool-Aid agreed with us. Was Iowa State like the original school you wanted to go to? Mm-hmm. So was I was actually not against going to college. Like I knew that was the next step, but I was so, I had drank in the high school Kool-Aid so much that I was like, I'm going to come back to even my actual high school in Bedendorf. I'm going to be a teacher again. Like I want to give the experiences that I had. And then my parents were, all my family were basically Iowa alum, except my parents, but my parents were on board because all of their sisters, brothers had gone there. Uh, And a bunch of family friends were like, try Iowa State too, like go on a tour of Iowa. And I went to Iowa. I saw why my family loved it. It was not for me. But as soon as I stepped at Iowa State, I was like, 
this is great. This is exactly what I'm looking for. And like, we were driving back and my parents were like, well, you have like four other days you can use to visit campuses. Like, are there any more you're thinking about? And I was like, I think I found my one. And my mom's like, well, then when we get home, like, let's apply. Like, why wait? And um, yeah. that is still one of the few days I've ever seen my dad cry is the day that I got the video Iowa State sent being like, they went all above and beyond and do this whole thing where like the president is like, oh my gosh, we have big news. Like, and then like the deans there and like the head of the basketball team, like what's going on? And, like, we have somebody new joining us at Iowa State. And then like, there's the generic oh, piece of paper that then they fill in with any student's name that gets in. But it's just, they go above and beyond. It's so cool. Um, and that was one of the few days I saw my dad cry just because we all knew how excited we were for this new experience. That's so cool. I'm so glad you like walked on campus and knew. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's such a cool, I never toured campuses. I just kind of, we just applied. Okay. And so you hear that a lot at like tech too. Like I thought I was going to the school once I walked on campus or I was mm -hmm. like, why would I live in Lubbock? I walked on campus and I knew. And I think that's just such a cool thing of like, being in that like stage of 18, 17, oh, yeah. 18 years, 16, 15 for some people um, and being like, no, this is what I want to do next. Mm -hmm. There was one person, um, one of my mom's little sister's best friends when they lived in San Antonio they actually came and visited Texas Tech for a college visit when I was there. And I had never met him before, but I'd just been in contact through my mom and her sister. And that kid knew more about Texas Tech stepping on campus for one day than I had known like the eight months I had already been there. <laughs> like I was like, I'll give you a, a tour of the residence hall. And he knew like some of the facts and everything. Like even before I was able to say, I'm like, I think that's how much this residence hall costs. Like, let me go back to my office and check my, my spreadsheet. <laughs> You're like, mm, let me pull that up on the internet while exactly. you're looking at this room really quickly. <laughs> but like he's, I think in his sophomore year now and absolutely loving it at Tech. And I'm so very happy that he is. That's awesome. I love too that your family was mostly Iowa mm -hmm. and you were like, let me just check out Iowa State. Let's oh, just yeah. see. Let's just we, do what State has to offer. We have a lot of fun when it comes to the Iowa-Iowa State games. The memes come out. The hate comes out. Um, and it is just a good, good bloodbath of a time, even though Iowa State usually loses and I have to eat my words, but <laughs> I say a lot of smack beforehand. Oh, yeah. Rivalries are the best. Uh -huh. You have to be, especially with family, you have to be like, nah, mm -hmm. that's shit. And in your head, you're like, we're so fucked. But like, yeah, you're like, no, listen, it's OK. <laughs> we're, this is our year. This is the year that we're going to come out on. Yes. Top. I don't think Iowa State has won since my freshman year at Iowa State back in 2018. Oh, no. No. Back in 2014. I always get I my like, wait, I always get my high school graduation and my undergrad graduation confused. I was real confused because I thought, what year is it? It's like, oh, no. Am I that old? Have I already forgotten what year it is? I'm looking at it on my computer screen right now. No, no, no. We are still in 2021, whether we like it or not. You know, the other day someone was like, do you know 2022? No, I know what it was. I was planning for professing excellence, and I kept mm -hmm. writing the date 2021. And oh. finally someone was like, wasn't that in April then? And I was like, no, it's next April. And they're like, that's 2022. And I was Ooh. like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm still processing 2019. Why are yeah. we going into 2022? Oy vey. It's fine. We're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's happening. Whether we like it or not, the years are going. 
Welcome to getting old. Yeah, I'm I'm getting used to it. I mean, one of my students the other day I was meeting with, they're like, you know, sometimes we just don't like to listen to you all because we just don't want to listen to elders. And I didn't catch it first. They were referring to me as the elder. And I was like, I'm 25. I'm like, what are you like, 20, 21, 22? Like, we ain't that far in age. <laughs> I'm like, I know we I got the beard, the but same... it's still the baby face under here. You're like, listen, we could have been at the same elementary school, so take that shit back right now. Yeah. Except... Elders? No. I would have been like, you can leave. Oh, believe me, if they hadn't been <laughs> one of my student staff members and someone I really like, it might have might have ended a lot differently. But you say, like, we could have been in elementary school with some of these kids, like, <laughs> they are such a different generation. We were talking about Disney Channel shows, and <laughs> I was talking about The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and someone was oh, like, yeah. oh, what is that? Like, I think I knew a show called The Sweet Life on Deck is, like, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, like, a prequel? And I'm like, well, no, actually, like, The Sweet Life on Deck was the sequel to that show. And I just was like, how is that? Why are we having this conversation? Yeah, it, even my grads now, I love them to death, but they'll talk about things, and I am not only three years out, I am, <laughs> I'm in my 30s, so I, like, think, like, the other day, yes, no, the other day we went to lunch, and they were talking about MTV, and they are like, mm. oh, yeah, when I was, like, a little kid, like, TRL, and I was like, that was, that was on when I was in, like, high school, but mm -hmm. it's fine, and then... I was like, oh, yeah, that one show where, like, seven strangers come together. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, real world, I think. And they're like, oh, we've heard of it. Like, I need to step away because MTV used to be the show. Like, I used to, like, sneak in, like, my grandparents' <laughs> living room and watch it. But, yeah, some of the stuff they, like, students talk about now or the retro. I was just thinking 2000s. retro 2000s. <laughs> Bringing it back to the cosmic brownies, like... It blows my mind. It blows my mind. And I I feel like I'm very time aware, like time conscious, and I'm really good with remembering dates and being like, okay, I know exactly what year that happened. But since, like, swear to God, since March 13th of 2020, that Friday the 13th that should mm -hmm. just hit the fan, it's all a blur. It's all a blur since then. <laughs> and I only remember that date because it's Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. It was raining. And Caitlin and I just ended up like laying on my floor in my office because we just didn't know what was happening. <laughs> if it helps, that happened to me a lot at Texas Tech. I wound it up on my floor and I'm just like, what is life? <laughs> oh, I do too. There's some days I just am like under my desk. Like I'm like, uh, and Sadie, my grad the last year and this year for tutoring, she like comes in and mm -hmm. I'll just be there. She's like, you good? I'm like, no. She's like, all right, let me know if you need anything or I'll go in her office and like, She's on the floor, and I'm like, you good? No? Okay, here, get a blanket, lay down. Or, like, when Caitlin used to, like, sleep, fall asleep during lunch. Uh-huh. <laughs> Listen, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is strange thinking of just, yeah, just different generation, different mm -hmm. world, different expectations. And then thinking, like, they've been online for possibly a year and a half and yeah. now i don't know about y'all students but they're making up for lost time this year oh they are they in more ways than one mind. yeah i'm like what who who did not let you out of the house mm -hmm. for the last year and a half and then their parents want to contact us and be like oh our kid didn't do anything and it's like 
I would have been mortified if my parents had tried to speak on my behalf in college. I'd been like, whoa, watch yourself. Like, I chose not to live in your house anymore for a reason. Oh, that's when I was on call, I had multiple incidents with parents involved and Oof. students not being able to make decisions until they called their parents. And we like had triple rooms and parents, mm-hmm. like they had to add triple beds because we were so full. Parents were like threatening to like poop on the mattress of like the resident who just got assigned there. <laughs> like, ah, That's... why are you? Because if you're the parent... That's a real shitty idea. Gonna be like, your kid is either going to be super well-behaved because they're so fucking mortified of you, or they're going to act just like you because they've seen you get away with stuff before. Yeah. That's weird. I don't know. That's a it's new one. Open. Yeah, it's been a wild year. Some of the stuff that's happened, and it's only end of the first like month and a half, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, what's it going to be like? in like next semester after they go home and come back we get a fall break here in about two weeks and i've never been at a school that had a fall break and like everyone is counting down the days till like that week comes that sounds magical i'm i'm ready for it (laughs) i am ready for you to have it i think that's wonderful so katie talk about how you ended up figuring out grad school was the next step for you after your wonderful time at utah Ooh, it's probably not the fairy tale story a lot of other people have. Uh-huh. So I thought I had, since I was double majoring, I thought I had five years at, because I also was going for a minor, okay. a leadership minor. And I was like, okay, I'll have five years and I'll figure out what I'm going to do. Um, and in the October, my senior, actual senior year, uh, my advisor was like, okay, you're graduating in May. And I thought, Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I thought I had another year. And so I've been like thinking about going into higher ed. Um, and a woman who oversaw like our social justice advocate student staff, she had mm-hmm. done her undergrad at Ball State. And she was like, oh, let me tell you, they have a really good program. Um, so I'm like, okay, great. And so it was end of October. And some I was going to apply to the University of Utah, Colorado State, kind of those higher, sure. some of the higher name ones too, Oregon, stuff like that. Um, and some of them were due, you know, applications due December 1st, December 15th. So I was like, I have like a month to get, do the G, take the GRE and then apply for grad school. And I was like hot mess expressing mm-hmm. undergrad. So like couldn't get my life together anyway. My condolences, right. you had to do the GRE. Well, <laughs> funny story with that is I actually got swine flu a few. (laughs) I haven't heard about that in years after we've been through COVID and everything. Yes, November 2009, um, I was doing a research project for sociology on how many people were getting the vaccine Mm -hmm. because they just come out with the vaccine. And I got the vaccine. Never mind that they were like, oh, you have asthma, you could go into anaphylactic shock. And I was like, (laughs) okay, you still want to do this? They're like, yeah, you're good, no worries. I was like, okay. I got the vaccine a few days later I was just suddenly super sick and mm-hmm. our PCP was like you have swine flu but come in we have to like test you and stuff so I go in sure enough I had swine flu and it was like two days before I was supposed to take the GRE well it's probably a few more days because I really hadn't studied that much mm-hmm. also let's also it was like mid-October November so I got swine flu and I couldn't take the GRE before a lot of applications were due 
So then I only applied to schools that didn't require the GRE. Sure. I mean, that's <laughs> what I did another, too. Yeah, that's another reason I ended up at Ball State because they did not require the GRE. <laughs> Well, they were a one-year program, too, which I still think is an amazing feat that you can get a master's degree in one year thinking of all the work I did in two. I don't recommend it to anybody, um, especially if you're straight out of undergrad. Mm -hmm. I was not mentally, emotionally mature or ready enough for that experience. Um, It was so much. It was so hard. And, you know, the first semester... We had a pretty big cohort, and my Mm -hmm. internship was in the VP of Student Affairs office, so I did went from tons of student involvement to Mm -hmm. then just doing admin stuff, um, which was hard. Like, it was not what I thought grad school would be compared to my peers, and so we had, yeah, it was tough. It was rough. We all, like, did not cope well. We would just go to the bars all weekend, and then all of a sudden have to do school and work. Oh, crap, it's Um, Monday again. (laughs) Yeah, we were like, how'd that happen? Um, it was nice, though, because with the program, you couldn't be admitted to the master's program without an assistantship. Okay. So you were guaranteed an assistantship, which was really helpful because that helped pay for grad school, too, a little bit. Um, and at the time, I actually, with not being in housing, I lived off campus. Oh, yeah. And I lived with um, a friend from Utah who had gone there for her undergrad. Her dad was our minister. Hmm. And so... I knew her and she was in theater and drama in undergrad when I was in grad school. So it was a really cool experience to like reunite with her for a year. Um, but yeah, I did my, essentially my thesis or my, we called it our creative project because we actually implemented it. Um, I was in charge of our interview days and I was taking like 12 or 15 credits during the spring semester. So I became very much an introvert the second half of grad school because you just sure. had to be. <laughs> you couldn't, you could, what's that, that fresh, like, oh, let's go party. We're in grad school. Look how cool we are. Wore off quickly. Uh-huh. We were like, we got to work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Y'all had enough though when you were in grad school because you were in housing and you yeah. worked 30 hours a week plus some. And so y'all had so much going on two yeah. years consistently. And night stuff, like the night classes as well as having complex counsel be at night and stuff. So, I mean, we were busy, but I definitely, like, looking now, I love my free time, but I realize I did have free time in grad school. You just have to be good about utilizing it to the best of your ability. And who is? No. Like, who's good at doing that? Like, I, I, you- uh, I saw Tiger King is getting a second season, and that came out, like, right around when they... We're telling students, don't come back to campus. Like, we're closing yes. down. Like, I was right in the middle of doing my capstone. And I kept telling myself, like, you have to, like, work on your capstone this spring break. Like, utilize all of this free time you have. And right. I just literally remember working on capstone. And my reward would be watching an episode of Tiger King as, like, everything is burning around me. All the stuff I was looking forward to in the last few months were no longer going to be a thing. Job outlooks weren't going to be a thing. Oh. Yeah. But it's like I had I had Tiger King and I had my paper. <laughs> you were like, there are so many things that are true in mm-hmm. life right now. The world's crashing. Yep. I have this giant paper still due. Yep. 
and Tiger King's on Netflix. And let so, me tell you, I remember more about Tiger King than I do about the paper I wrote. And that was like 60 pages long of my life. Right. That was just your giant end of like degree bro- like paper. And you're like, but Tiger King. Yeah. Let me tell you about this episode. Yep. <laughs> you know, we all cope in different ways. Exactly. I think your reflection of grad school is definitely impacted on those last few months. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot too, though, and I became closer with people I think that I didn't know I would become closer with. Um, oh, really? And also resources I thought that were going to be there maybe weren't necessarily there that I was hoping. But at the How end, so? like, uh, see, and I don't even know if I have a good answer for what what wasn't there or what was. I guess I would say, though, at the end, I was satisfied with the experience that I got I will always be thankful to housing that they were able to give us a little extra money for the extra work that grads were doing and doing like our master's program, just because I know a lot of our peers that weren't in housing did kind of get that break from their jobs, but like still were getting paid, but didn't have to be on campus. And for us, it was like, we have no more CAs. We're managing the keys. We're like working weekends. We're doing on call more, even if you had already done your on call hours. So I just remember a lot of burnout, but always knowing like there, we're going to be helping you all that, like know that. And so like getting the extra bit of money, the last two months doing that little drive by graduation for us. Like those are the things that I'm like, this is why I came to tech. And like, this is one of the reasons that I still like, it's going to be in my heart is like, it was hard times, but like yeah. they didn't forget about us. And I will always appreciate that. Y'all did so much. Like it was such a weird time because we were essentially told not to come to campus. Like the institution was saying not to come to campus. But then all I could think about was like, we said all these residents that all of a sudden had to move out and y'all were the ones that were interacting with them, doing all of that, going through all the rooms. Mm -hmm. Then our, like all staff was still told the student staff, like you're still going to be paid Mm -hmm. even if you're not working. So y'all picked up so much work while seeing your peers not having to really do mm-hmm. that work anymore. I will I say the, that for y'all. The funniest thing, and I'm happy we did it, but Peyton and I were over the National Residence Hall Honorary, and we still had to have an induction ceremony for the 11 people. And just her and I, the amount of time it took because we had to ship like hats and shirts to them for the ceremony and like get guest speakers and we're like, we're doing all of these crazy things, and yet we still have to have this thing that maybe doesn't need to happen, but we're going to make it happen for these students. And yeah. I just remember some days I'm like, I just can't work on this part today because it's not important enough, but it does need to get done. Oh, yeah. It was such a strange time to be like, what do we focus on? Mm-hmm. Like, where do we put our energy? Because, yeah, it's still a professing excellence ceremony. That's that true. A few weeks later, and so... Yeah, those projects where I was like, does this mean anything? Like, why are we doing it? But then those are probably the things that actually made the most impact because it was kind of the still like as normal as it could have been for students that were getting yep. inducted or stuff like that. Yeah. And it gave y'all a break from all the other kind of like other duties as a sign that yes. y'all were doing. And that our y'all professors so were really cool about it and like, if we, we were originally going to do like a group project and then individual papers and we're like, can it just be a group project and a group paper? And like that mm-hmm. saved all of our butts so much. So really just happy the professors understood where we were coming at from too. That's good. I, yeah, I hate that your experience ended like that at Tech. So I'm glad to hear that you felt supported because mm-hmm. 
I was like, I want to do more, but like, I was scared to come to campus. I thought someone was going to like arrest us if we were in our office because they were so adamant. Like, do not go to your offices. Do not do that. And I was like, I can't just sit in my house. Well, it would even be like if Maria Louise and I, who I was running the building with, like, couldn't be in the office at the same time. That's right. Yeah, we were at times because it just, there was no way around it. But I just remember even hearing that and it's like, how are we supposed to get stuff done though if like the two people here can't be anywhere near each other? Right. I remember because I was on staff senate at the time and they were like, you know, just talking about how all employees were working from home and this and that. And finally I was like, okay, (laughs) let's just take a minute and realize that we still have like 50 staff on campus that are moving out 8,000 residents and not everyone gets to just work from home all day. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and not just Monday through Friday. Cause y'all were working like six, seven days a week. Yep. I was so mad. I like. The cookies just, were nice though. The cookies by design cookies. <laughs> I was like, listen, we got to do something. And they're like cookies. And I was like, well, okay. And they even had, we were like cats and dogs, little masks on too. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I went to go, like, put them in y'all's mailboxes. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I was like, listen. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I know during your finishing up your grad school stuff, you got to do a capstone that involved working with veterans and starting a new program at Ball State. Can you kind of go into more detail about that? Because I had no idea whatsoever about that. Yeah. So this is kind of... I definitely talked about it more right out of grad school than I do now. Um, But I'll always talk about it because I love, it was more of a great experience for me personally and professionally than I could have ever imagined. So we had essentially create a project. We could do a research class or create a project, which is essentially a thesis minus one chapter. But we got to kind of see an area that needed growth on campus and create a, actually it wasn't even on campus in, in the community. Um, and create a solution to it. And so I had worked with a lot of veterans um, with my gold award for Girl Scouts. And I was really close to my grandparents. And so I just have like a special place in my heart for vets. Um, And so my mom was in the army too. So I think that definitely contributed. So in grad school, I'd gotten to know kind of our veterans affairs person through a tutoring internship assistantship I did. And so anyway, I'd done some research and I, you know, was like, hey, this might be something interesting. And so what we did was we created myself, the director of the tutoring center on campus, and then the director of military affairs um, and some help from SDS. We helped uh, create kind of on paper what a veterans or student orientation would look like because so many so often vets are coming back and they're not the traditional 18 year old first mm-hmm. year student. And so kind of thinking of, okay, if they're coming back and they're either older or, you know, transitioning from a very uh, scheduled military life to civilian life of, okay, here you go. Here's some classes show up if you want most of the time and mm-hmm. go from there. Um, and then with families too, what you're moving to Muncie, Indiana, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so um, I think at the time, Indiana also had one of like the largest, uh, I think it was the most deployed National Guard at the time. Oh, so, wow. you know, it's 2010, 2011, like yeah. still pretty thick in like Iraq, Afghanistan, overseas. And so um, 
yeah, we got to create an orientation on paper. We came up with resources. We came up with a schedule. We came up with everything like that. Um, and then they ended up implementing it since it was a one-year program I was in. The next year, they implemented it. That's cool. Um, and they saw higher GPAs. They saw higher retention of students coming back the next year. A lot of it, too, was connecting them to resources on campus to help them adjust and just help them transition back into civilian life mm-hmm. or be prepared for civilian life, even if they were National Guard and could be deployed again or still serving, really still enlisted. And so, um, yeah, it was really cool. And then out of that, a few years later, we published our research findings. That's cool. That was my only publication, but, and really they, a lot of other people did a lot more of the work. They're still at Ball State, but I kind of got to add the like implementation piece of it. Mm -hmm. And then we were invited to present at like NOTA, the National Orientation. Okay. Um, conference and so I got to go to that years later so so you hooked back up with those people after you Mm -hmm. weren't working at Ball State anymore yeah yeah a few years later and it actually turned out at some of the conferences when I worked in student disability services Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that crossover was still happening at Ball State and so like my mentor from grad school who was also my project advisor who I cried every time I went to take that paper in because it would be so marked up because my APA style was so atrocious, but it also was so needed and helped me grow. So I meet up with him, the tutoring director, um, and the MV, like military services uh, director as well at different conferences throughout Mm -hmm. different years. And so I've actually gotten to reconnect with them a few times um, just over the years, which has been really cool to see. So yeah. it's definitely a place of like special place in my heart. I love working with student vets. I think it's a super important population and that kind of can go under the radar a lot of the times. And so um, it's just something I really like to do, but don't really get to do as much in my current role. But if I get the opportunity to do a green zone training or get to help with the MVP office, I'm always on top of it. I love it. That's cool. And that's cool to say, like, you literally got to work on a project that now is an exact program at a college and university. Yeah, it's been really neat to see. I haven't honestly kept up with it in the last year or two with the pandemic and everything. But just the fact, too, that they were, like, willing to take on, like, Mm -hmm. give it a try and actually try to implement and not just one office, but multiple offices coming together to do it was just you know, little grad school Katie was like, this would be cool. And they're like, all right, let's do it. You know, they both had decades of experience. And so I got to learn so much from them too, of like what actually goes into all of that. Yeah. Um, Coming out of that student leader role, I just had that like, welcome to the university. This is me. We're going to like talk about all the fun things (laughs) and the behind the scenes of the research. And all of that was definitely a great experience. That's cool. So not only were you working on that capstone, but you also basically were at a school for one year. So you had to get all of that knowledge, get used to it to then just go to a full-time job. And I know like for my grad school, like I was happy. I got at least two years at tech, got to be oriented with the school. So like, how was it going from like University of Utah to then Ball State for a year to then heading off to uh, New Mexico? It was a lot. I lived in... What was it? I lived in three different states in one year, essentially. That's crazy Um, to think. 
I know, which I know people do all the time, right? But I had spent 22 years in Utah, Mm -hmm. moved to Indiana in August, and then actually moved to New Mexico in June and finished my degree and then graduated in July. Oh, wow. It was hard, and that's why I don't recommend it for people coming out of undergrad because I think it's a great program, and it's changed a lot since Mm -hmm. I did it. There's more two-year options, but um, I think it's good for people who are kind of in the middle of the career. They need that master's, and then they can move on, like move up. Um, But it was hard. By the time I got to New Mexico, I went back into housing as a hall director, I was also I was still transitioning out of being like an undergrad student because I'd never let myself do that mm-hmm. as a grad student. And so it was kind of like I was in this role of a grad student and then I went into full-time professional and was kind of like, wait, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> and so it was hard. It was so fun. I loved living in southern New Mexico. It was such a different world than Indiana. Back to <laughs> mountains. Know. Yes, the mountains are right there. I know you know because you went to Las Cruces Mm -hmm. a little while ago. So, um, yeah, it was a great town. I did not enjoy working for the institution at the time. And so that was really hard. So then I interviewed a tech, and I was like, I I interviewed here in the middle of the haboob in (laughs) December. No students were on campus. Cliff Kingsbury had just been hired. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this school. I don't know about this town. Like, mm-hmm. what is Lubbock? This place is literally a dust bowl. Um, and I feel like it's when I got to tech that I, like, finally kind of adjusted into being more grown up mm-hmm. and more, I wouldn't say mature, because I feel like I'm still kind of immature sometimes, but <laughs> just kind of finally adjusted to that next, like, chapter. Mm-hmm. And you found the Wagger, Walgates, Ohana that you and I both got to work in those yes. buildings different years, but got to share supervising that complex. Yes, Walgates will forever hold a piece of my heart. Um, I mean, I met one of my best friends was one of my mm-hmm. CAs and obviously not when I was her supervisor, but um, years later, she, years later, mm-hmm. she was a bridesmaid at my wedding, and I now I'm back working in housing and mm-hmm. get to go to Walgates for like learning community stuff. And so our handprints um, are on the walls. I just put my handprint on for this year, <laughs> like two weeks ago. So how many handprints yeah, do you have on there now, or do you not want to say? You know, they painted over a few from when I was there in mm-hmm. 2013. So I guess that's a sign that I've, they've already made it in the increments that they do. I've been there too long. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, good old Waga. I will always hold a special place for that. That building is a mess, but yeah. they all are. So That's very, very true. <laughs> Every year, for some reason, the air decides it doesn't want to work the first week, and everybody's huddling up, trying to stay cold. And I remember talking to Miss Bonnie, our senior business assistant, or kind of the secretary, and I told her to go home one day. I'm like, get shorts on or something, Miss Bonnie. Like, it's too hot. So, yeah, it's got its quirks, and I feel Mm -hmm. like the most random things can happen there. And the student population is interesting. It's like all the fine arts kids, arts and sciences who are all like STEM. And so you've got quite a combo Mm -hmm. of, and then there's a piano in the lobby, which sounds like a good idea with fine arts kids, but usually it's not them that are practicing on it. So it's horrible. (laughs) An interesting dining center is kind of in it, but with all of the craziness, 
Saint Miss Bonnie has <laughs> been the constant there for I don't know how many years, but love her to death. Years. Would not have survived without her. God bless Miss Bonnie. She kept she keeps that building afloat. When she retires, that building's going down. She should have the biggest party though for all the people she's worked with and known. No, I think they need to rename it, like, Bonnie Hall. Not even her last yeah. name, like, just her first, like, Miss Bonnie. Or, like, the Bonnie Front Desk. That'd I'd be, be down for that. Yeah. Oh, go to the front desk. The what? Oh, the Bonnie. Yep. Go to the Bonnie Front Desk. <laughs> so, going to Lubbock, not only did you start a new job and a new life, that's also where you met your husband. It is. In true West Texas fashion, I met him at a Texas Tech football tailgate. Of course. Do you know who you were playing? No, because I actually didn't go to the game, so we <laughs> actually met in the Gordon RLC apartment. Okay. Because my friend from Ball State was a, it was um, an RLC at the time, Caitlin, and she was dating a guy who worked with Tim. Oh. And so... He, Jeremy brought Tim and I was there with Caitlin. So they always are like, we get credit for bringing them together, bringing Katie and Tim together. But our friends Bree and Jack, who also worked at Tech, got the tickets to the game. Mm. So there's like this debate. But anyway, yes, we met there and started dating a few weeks later. And then that was eight years ago now. Yeah. The rest is history. The rest is history. I, well, yeah, eight years. <laughs> I had to do the math. It's like, how long have we been together? Yeah, so we got married about four and a half years ago. And yeah, it's it's been, obviously it's been pretty good. So he is a true West Texas gentleman. And mm -hmm. I don't know how he puts up with my life and me sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> what um, What did he think when he found out like he ran a residence hall and like lived in a residence hall? Was that kind of weird? It was so weird. So he, it was funny because he was like, oh, every day, like every weekend during the summer, I would go for runs around campus. He's a big runner. And it was, we figured out it was always when I was doing orientation housing. And I was always mm. like outside welcoming people. And I was like, I wonder how many times we actually saw each other, but didn't think anything of it because I was working and you were working out. Um, I think the acronyms is what got him actually the most. Uh -huh. um, he had a note in his phone of like RLC means residence life coordinator, GHC means graduate. Home. Like he had it all. And so sometimes I'll be like, oh, AD. And he's like, assistant director. I'm like, yes, yes, good job, good job. Go so, him. Yeah, he really, he really committed to that life um, early. I think the thing that got him most were the fire alarms just at random hours. Sure. Sure. He'd be like, do I need to leave? And I'm like, I don't know. I have to, though. So, like, I got to go respond. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but of course, we followed the law and always left. Yes, of course. Sure. You got you to do what you got to do. Follow the yeah. letter of the law. Yeah, it was funny, though, because our staff just kind of like, we're like, all right. Katie's like our Wagga mom. You're our yep. Wagga dad. And I was like, welcome to my life. Like, if you're going to be a part of my life, this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, like, oh boy, what did I get myself into? Yeah, he's like, oh fuck. <laughs> but must not have scared him off too bad. So. No. so what ended up eventually being the reason you made a transition from housing into that academic advising before returning back to housing? 
I was so burnt out. I've been in housing for three years and it wasn't originally like what I wanted to do. I really enjoyed it. Um, and at the time we didn't have a partner policy, we didn't have a pet policy. And I knew those were like, okay, eventually like I'm going to move in with my partner. I want to get an animal, (laughs) like something, you know, um, and really what the tipping point was in February in one week, I had a big water event. The sprinkler broke in my building. Um, I broke my foot slipping on ice, which was the first time I'd ever broken a bone Ooh. being around ice. And I grew up in Utah. Um, and then on Valentine's Day, the next week, we had a water, a fire in the building next door in Hewlett Clement. Ooh. And I think that was kind of when I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm too tired. And so I kind of, like, I wasn't going to leave housing. I was going to stick it out for one more year. And I saw the advising posting. And it was kind of at a point where I realized, like, do I want to keep going and work until I'm totally burnt out and Mm -hmm. then maybe be miserable to the people around me? Or do I want to take advantage of an opportunity that could come up that could lead to something new while Mm -hmm. I still, like, haven't burned bridges. I really enjoy it still enjoyed who I was around and what I was doing, but I was just tired. Um, And so I kind of made that leap, which was a total 180 because it was strictly eight to five. You did not work on the night. You did not, you know, it was just like our like, okay, at 5 p.m. we are all out the door. And so it was an adjustment for sure. But yeah, and then I, you know, I worked in advising. I was an academic counselor for students with disabilities um, in a tutoring center. And so when the manager position opened up, it was kind of that perfect mix of like still being in housing and being around people while utilizing my academics experience. And Mm -hmm. so um, I was like, yeah, the one thing I almost didn't take the job though, because I'm on call. I was like, I can't be on call anymore, Yeah. but I still took the job. So, and here we are, are. just came off a week of on call. And a lot of people like to think that even though you're kind of the third tier after student staff, grad or residence hall coordinator, and then it's you, you still like have to be active and you still get the calls, whether you have to come to it or not. And we, yeah. And I think I'm glad that we don't get the multitude usually that y'all would um, on your level. But I think if it's reaching us, it's usually a pretty intense thing. And so, um, yeah, and I always get the really weird ones that are like six hours back and forth, mm-hmm. like sl- don't sleep all night because you're just trying to figure things out. And so I think for me, it's too like it just like it affects my mental health, like the anxiety of every time that phone rings of like, oh god, what could be happening on the other side? And so yeah, um, that's always an adventure. I remember having to call you once my first year, and I was so mad about it because like I had to run and help a student. And I ran out and had grabbed my wrong set of keys. And since we don't all have like backup sets, if we ran out of it, it had to be the leadership team member to come out and get the backup and let us in. And you were like, Tyler, bang on your (laughs) boss's door and please pray he can do it so I don't have to drive out to campus. I will, but please don't. It was like three in the morning and I just felt so bad. And like eventually I did. Um, And I'm trying to remember. Oh, he had a key to get to my office, and my office yeah. was where I had my spare key at the time. Yeah, I remember that because I was like, I always try to be that perfect level of alert enough, but not so awake. Yeah. 
that I can't go back to sleep. And I remember you were like, I locked my keys in my office. And I remember thinking like, well, I don't have keys to your office, but I can get you into your apartment for the night. Yeah. But either way, your supervisor is going to have to let you in eventually. Yeah. And his apartment was right there. And I was like, Tyler, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. But just just give it a good, a good, you're like, I've already tried. And I was like, I don't care. Try one more time. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember you called and you're like, I was able to wake him up. I got in. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i know i always feel bad i feel like people get so scared to call up and i get that like i was too so i try to be really friendly when i answer but then i'm like don't want to sound don't want to wake up Uh uh-huh no i get that i get that okay Okay. so katie as we're looking towards currently and in the future where do you see yourself kind of going what what goals do you have what aspirations do you want to be doing soon kind of where do you see yourself that's such a good question I feel like I don't know the answer to that I know that eventually I definitely want to get back home to Salt Mm -hmm. Lake um I definitely know I know it's just drinking water oh you're good Um, Cooper's got to have a drink every once in a while too right she's thirsty that's Cooper saying hello um I don't know I think definitely getting back up to Salt Lake City um I don't know if I want to stay in higher ed necessarily forever Mm -hmm. or maybe something adjacent to that so whether that's recruiting for corporate or doing like the transitional like K through 12 to college um assistant that kind of stuff so I don't know I'm kind of in this like weird point where I'm like all right if we're gonna move mm-hmm. event in the next year two years three years like maybe it's a perfect time to kind of look at what's next and, yeah. or get there and have a good job like get a good job and then kind of go from there so I don't know I you know it's just a what third life crisis quarter life midlife I'm having that quarter life right now. We'll see how it goes. And I think too, like to be transparent, I think this, I think COVID definitely showed me Mm -hmm. like just higher education. And like you said, like during COVID, like y'all were working so much and Mm -hmm. just what has been put on us as professionals and people and humans. It's like, oof, I don't know. I don't know. Higher ed's (laughs) never going to be the same after COVID. It's no, not going to go back. Trying. Programming's not going to go back. Re- the things residents can do. Um, and I think that's going to be one thing. I want to stay in higher ed a little longer. I just don't know in what facet I want to. Like, I'm happy yeah. where I'm at now, but I just know it's not the same higher ed you and I had as undergrad students. Oh, no, no. And I don't think, you know, like I said earlier, that kind of pyramid of a ton of entry-level positions, but by the time you get mid-level, upper-level... There just isn't even even that, like, availability. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, well, eventually people are going to have to go elsewhere. So where do you go if that's the case? Yeah. So I don't know. If I can find that answer, podcast season two, I'll let you know. (laughs) Definitely. And I I know whatever you choose to do, you're going to be a great success at it. You're so kind. to You as well. Thank you. Always, forever. So, Katie, I like to end all of my episodes asking the exact same question, but I always do a little synopsis of what we've talked about beforehand. So, 
from coming from a very close-knit family in Mormon, Salt Lake City, even though not being Mormon, doing Girl Scouts, being involved in other organizations, heading off to the U, going off to grad school, your all the treks that got you to Texas Tech. When you think of everything you've been through and more, what would you tell my listeners is the main theme of your life or what you would hope they would take away from this episode? Oh, gosh. I knew that was, like, the question you were going to ask, and I'm still not mentally, emotionally, fit, like, prepared. Um, I think for me, it's just been, like, I've truly found, and I think just every year more and more value the importance and, and significance of relationships. Um, I mean, like we were talking before this, we haven't seen each other in a year and a half and really like off and on haven't been able to talk that much. But Mm -hmm. the fact we're sitting here talking for hours about like just catching up and reminiscing and stuff. um, I think it's just so there's so much to it. And I have been so, so incredibly lucky and fortunate to have the relationships in my life that I have. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think this past year too, with the, with the pandemic, I had surgery on my foot and wasn't really like mobile for a while. Like at points it was very lonely, but I knew I could always pick up the phone and like call people. I could always lean on others. And I think there's so much significance in that. And I think it's easy to forget that sometimes. Um, but the relationships you make and continue to make could like save your life and add to your life. So I think even when it's hard, keep trying to stay in touch and build those relationships and they'll always they'll always come out. I agree. I think in the end. I think friendships, relationships with family, those are the things that got us through the pandemic and it yeah. showed like we've always had Skype, but like people didn't think to use it <laughs> or like Zoom and everything and now it's easy enough that we live in all these states and you can have a giant conversation with like 10 or 15 people and keep in touch. And it's something we never thought, but it was always there. It's always been here in some shape or form. Right. But like, and people have always been able to talk. Yeah. Like, but we've never, I've just never done it. It's always been so focused on the people physically Mm -hmm. here. Um, And yeah, just the, the availability and access we have to it is so much broader now. So I would love to see more people in person, Mm -hmm. but eventually that'll happen if we keep continuing the relationships we have now over whatever medium we can. Yeah. Or you just have to make a trip up to Iowa and visit (gasps) Caitlin and I. I know. I know. I do. I want to so badly. So good. Yes. It'll happen. It's going to happen in the next year. I'm manifesting it. Okay. I'm going to hold you to it. It's October 1st. So it's an easy day to remember. It'll be like October 1st, 2022. I'm like, Katie, where are you at? Watch me flying in on October 1st next year. <laughs> All right. I'll put on my calendar now. We'll see what happens. Hey, it'll be a Saturday. It's perfect. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Katie, as always, it is just so lovely to catch up with you, to have you in my life. Uh, I'm just so excited to see where life takes you and where our relationship continues to grow. Because not only are you a great mentor, you're a great friend. Well, I appreciate you having me. Um Appreciate if people have listened this far <laughs> about my life. <laughs> um, and 
like you said earlier, I'll always be like a mama bear for mm-hmm. you. So I am proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of who you're, who you've become and who you are. So just know I'll always be one of one of your biggest cheerleaders. Well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. And no, your episode was asked by many people, so there should be a lot of people at the end point now. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, hello to my adoring fans. (laughs) Have a good rest of your day, Katie. You too. And with that, that is another episode of Life Story. If you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. As always, I'm Tyler Honig. Make it a great day.